Welcome to Home Design Chat with Nancy. We're all about your home, kitchens, baths, tile, appliances, and more. You name it, and we chat about it. And now, on with the show. Well, today is September 30th, and I have a special guest. Jan Rutgers is a professional kitchen designer with more than 25 years experience. And by the way, she lives in Canada. And during her career, she has designed over a thousand kitchens, learning valuable skills with each one. Jan is the founder of Vestibule School of Design, where she educates and mentors people passionate about the kitchen design industry. Jan, I am so excited to have you on this podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. I'm I'm really excited too. This is great, and I and I love the topic we're going to talk about. Good, and I love your accent, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Now, this uh, subject that we're going to talk about should be an interest to everybody. It's actually talking about universal design in kitchen planning and how it is useful to everyone. And you might say, well. What is universal design and why do I need it? And so, Jan, let's start in with answering those questions. Yeah, perfect. Um, I'm also asked that question very often. And usually the first thing that I'll say is universal design is designing for your lifetime, not just your prime time. And really what I mean is that you, when we build our homes or when we move into a home and we want to live there throughout our lives, we have different changes that happen. And normally it's almost every seven years, there can be a major change. You know, you, you can move into, you know, your home as, as a young married couple, and then you have, then children come along and then they become teenagers and, and eventually you become empty nesters. And there's, we have different requirements in the need of our home throughout that whole lifetime. You know, a lot of us, too, uh, bring in our elderly parents to live with us. So where they might have started the house with as newlyweds and then with young children, when they become empty nesters, they actually bring that older generation in with them. And then they say, now what? Now, what do I do with this house? Absolutely. What changes do I make? Exactly. And if you've planned your home and the design of your home using universal design principles, it's going to be much easier. And, you know, I've experienced that myself where I built a home um, at at one point, kind of the family home when when my son was a teenager, and I did it all on universal design principles. And I remember my elderly father-in-law coming to visit and he loved coming to our place because, you know, he used a a walker and um, he could, he could get all over our house. It was big open concept spaces. Uh, The doors were wider, like everything that just made it easy. He didn't feel uh, that uh, there was anywhere in the home he couldn't go or that he couldn't, that he couldn't use. So, you know, it's, yeah. it would, and, and the house, a lot of people think, oh, you know, if you're going to start putting in things like that, that it's going to look clinical or that it's going to, um, you know, it's only designed for people that use a wheelchair and that's not the case. And I think you'll see that as, as um, we continue our conversation about some of the things that, that we can do to bring universal design, you know, to the home and specifically to the kitchen. Right. And I just want to say a couple of things about the rest of the home, and I know we're going to discuss the kitchen. But years ago, wall-to-wall carpeting was in, and nobody really thought about it. Wow, it's cool, you know, and then you get the traffic pattern in the middle. Mm -hmm. Well, when you build a house, 
you really should think about the future. And it's not that far before you know it, you're going to be needing wider um, hallways. But also those rugs there cause a problem in when you're elderly. So if you have your elderly parents come live with you, it's difficult to, to move around with a walker and also a wheelchair. So nowadays I'm seeing less wall-to-wall carpeting and more tile or wood. And that's definitely an advantage in the hallways for the situation of wheelchairs and walkers. So Absolutely. Think, uh, yeah, and, staying away from and I think too, Nancy, when you, you say like having, you know, maybe elderly parents come live with you, just having your elderly parents or, or people that do use a mobility device come and visit that um, statistically, right. I believe it's 25% of the North American market is deemed to have some type of disability. So, you know, even having a, a big step up into the front door of your house can eliminate 25% of the population being able to come and visit. You know, which that's not that's mm-hmm. not great. <laughs> I agree. Well, people are more likely to go visit their kids' uh, homes if the home is easy for them to maneuver. So, Absolutely. I did a house for somebody, and they had their uh, friends that came to visit in mine when I did the guest bathrooms. They said we need a grab bars. Because our friends who come to visit are elderly and they have to be safe in the bathroom. So thinking ahead, especially if you've got friends that are older, might as well put all these interesting safety things into the home as you're remodeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, um, you know, look to the future. Yeah. And, you know, one thing too, right. I wanted to, you know, we've talked about, you know, different, maybe older people and people with disabilities, but I'd gave a um, talk on universal design, you know, generally for, for home design um, a, a little while back. And it was interesting. One of the young men, you know, who's probably, you know, in his late twenties, early thirties, you know, came up and said, wow, yeah, that, you know, that makes so much sense. I had a skiing accident last year and uh, I really had a, huff t- a tough time getting around my apartment, you know, because, you know, he, he, um, I think he'd broken his leg or something and, uh, oh, and it injured his back and all of the things that I was talking about in universal design, he, he kept saying, yes, no, that would be great. Oh, I need to make sure that I have that in my next house, etc. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's not just, it's, you know, there's, there's again, designing for your lifetime. You don't know when mm-hmm. you might be on crutches. You don't know when, um, you know, your back could get thrown out. There's so many different times in your life that these little things that, that you can do will make it so much easier to uh, maneuver in your home. Yeah. For some reason, people equate uh, grab bars with 70-year-olds mm-hmm. and it could be any age. So no. you yeah, 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 you could exactly be 10 years right. old and break a leg and you need help. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I do want to say one more thing before we jump into the kitchen. Um, when I talked about multi-generations, I'm, well, I'm in that situation where I wouldn't want to put anybody in a nursing home. And mm-hmm. so having your house accommodate for the elderly, for your parents or an aunt or even yourself is looking to the future and being happier and safer at home rather than going to a nursing home. So think about that. If you had your choice, you'd rather stay home. Absolutely. Okay. So I guess we should take a walk into the kitchen now. I think so. I think so. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So um, on our list of uh, important things to talk about in kitchen design, the first one is the work triangle. Jan, you want to take it from there? Sure. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk amongst kitchen professional kitchen designers on the validity of the, the work triangle. Um, you know, I personally, I, I still think there is some validity there. We are doing a lot of zone planning in our kitchens as well. But one of the first things that that I will always look at you know, when designing a universal designed home is at least to have a main prep area in the kitchen, which was our traditional work triangle, concentrated. And it's really so that you're not taking long, long steps, that you're not 20 feet from a, uh, the water source sink you know, to the refrigerator. You know, I have gone into big, large homes. Um, I live on the west coast of, of um, Canada, and there are. There's some big mega homes here that have these big kitchens. And, and just by having it spread out so much, it can be really fatiguing. And, um, you know, you if you've got these big, big, large kitchens, try to plan these smaller work zones that have, you know, maybe under counter refrigeration and a single prep sink and, you know, maybe the cooktop in one area and then maybe the baking area, you know, again with a water source and, you know, somewhere else. So it's, it's really just about thinking about how long is it, how many steps would someone really have to take to produce a meal in this kitchen? And if you can concentrate that work zone. It just makes it easier for um, people that might ha- might have um, might be using a mobility device like a walker or or they're on crutches. You know, I I was on crutches once in my life, and I loved my universally designed kitchen because everything was at my fingertips to get a meal on the table. So that that's the first you thing know, I look at. I, I've got to say, a lot of people uh, always think bigger is better. I want a big kitchen. Mm -hmm. I want a lot of space, but then you have to picture yourself working in that kitchen. And like you said, if you're on crutches or if you have a bad back, you don't want to walk 20 feet from the kitchen to the refrigerator and then, and then have to carry the stuff back to your prep area. So I am, hopefully everybody understands what you're saying. We talk about work zones. We talk about efficiency And so there's nothing wrong with having your main sink, maybe your cleanup sink with your dishwasher, your pull-out garbage. It could also be a prep area for a second cook. But then somewhere else in the kitchen, you have a second sink. You also could have, if it's a bake area, you could have an under-counter refrigerator. So when you're looking at your kitchen plan, picture yourself making something. I always say, picture making breakfast, bacon and eggs. How many times do you go to the refrigerator? How many times do you have to wash your hands? And then do you cook? And so a lot of times people have these huge kitchens. And I keep saying, if you get a skateboard or roller skates, maybe <laughs> it would be more efficient. But, but I mean, you have to hit reality here. Yeah, so yeah, the work yeah. zones, which I which I hope everybody understands is for being more efficient. Uh, absolutely. So, absolutely. I and, I, and I, you know, I love your analogy of the skateboard. Mine is the pole vault of, you know, having a, you know, a 15 foot Island in the middle of the kitchen with, you know, the sink on one perimeter wall and the refrigerator on the other, you know, I literally say, well, I guess we'll have to get a pole vault for you to get back and forth, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause it's, it's, well, you know, remember- something like that is a pain. <laughs> Right. 
the old-fashioned kitchens, they had everything in a line. So mm-hmm. they had the refrigerator on one side and the stove on the other side of the sink. And then they had the kitchen table in the middle, sort mm-hmm. of like the honeymooners, if you remember mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And it was not efficient at all. Even if you have a small kitchen, you could make that a lot more efficient. I mean, it's funny. And there's a good reason for having seven kids. You just stand in one spot and tell your kids <laughs> to go get your stuff. Exactly. Oh. Train the kids. Either exactly. that or get an efficient kitchen. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, Perfect. what's on our, our list? What's on well, our list next? Yeah, so the, the next thing that um, I'll have somebody I'll look at when I'm doing, doing any of my kitchen designs now is um, trying to incorporate long expanses of countertop and not breaking them up too much. And, you know, this I remember um, many, many years ago, I had a client that had rheumatoid arthritis. You know, she was a young, you know, young woman in her 30s. She had rheumatoid arthritis. And she was the one that, um, you know, really showed me or, or, or you know, almost taught me w- w- how difficult that that um, disease was. And um, so we ended up working, we actually did a standard traditional U-shaped kitchen for her because she could take things out of the refrigerator, put them on the countertop, slide them over, or kind of drag them over to the sink, you know, for cleaning and, and prepping, and then drag them around the corner uh, to the cooktop. And, you know, it sounds like a a small little thing, but for her, the island wasn't going to work or wasn't going to function for her because she had a difficult time lifting things and carrying them to mm-hmm. different work surfaces. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think too, one thing we should maybe point out at this point is you don't have to put all of these things in your universal design kitchen and you're probably not going to be put everything that we talk about today, but it's kind of really looking at um, your client, your, the lifestyle, your client, or your, you know, if you're designing your own kitchen, but something like this, you know, just made a world of difference for her and the whole layout of her other kitchen and another you brought up rheumatoid arthritis and my mother had that and i am very familiar with that they lose the total function of their hands and their fingers Mm -hmm. so one of the good ideas if you're taking stuff out of refrigerator if you have a little cart on wheels you Mm -hmm. can wheel it to the refrigerator put it on the cart and then just push the cart to the area that you want to work on or you can work on the cart secondly Uh, When you're working with somebody with um, a disability in their hands, you have to be cognizant of the faucets that you choose. Make sure that they're easy to open and close, that they're easy to grab. Um, The hardest thing is for somebody to uh, turn uh, the knobs instead of a hand um, you know, controller with a, I don't know how to describe this. It's a faucet with a single controller so they can hold on to that lever and control the water rather than doing knobs because that's hard for them. And the last thing I want to point up out is the handles you put on the cabinetry. Mm-hmm. Don't do those little knobs for people with arthritis. You're better off using a four inch handle. It has to be big enough for them to get their hands in and be comfortable. So don't chintz on that. 
Yeah. Sorry, also, I had to no, jump no, in I, there. I, I absolutely <laughs> agree with you, Nancy. And I, and even taking the hardware choice one step further is where you place it on the the cabinet. That you know, with you know, shaker mm-hmm. cabinetry, you know, being so popular, and it has been for the last it seems like forever, but. Um, I found that I've gone into um, kitchens where the shaker, the very top drawer front, which is typically usually about six inches high, has still has that shaker mm-hmm. design. And then they stick a handle in the middle of it that's not deep enough. And you can't even get your, your fingers in without wrapping you know, your knuckles on the, on the top rail yeah. of the, of the door. So, you know, something like that, I always, I spend a lot of time picking hardware with my clients. And my big thing is make sure it feels good in your hand. And oh, exactly. You know, well, you know, mm-hmm. when you have a husband and wife and they're totally different sizes, I have seen, you know, the wife has little tiny hands, but then the husband also uses the kitchen, even if he doesn't cook and he's got these huge fingers. Mm-hmm. Take that into consideration. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I, st- I think everybody should stay away from those little knobs because they're, first of all, they do wear away the finish off your cabinet because that happened to a client of mine. Mm-hmm. But secondly, you have to be comfortable opening up those uh, doors and drawers. And so get the person with the biggest hand to go shopping with you to pick out your handles. Uh, Yeah, good. uh, Yeah, really good hint. (laughs) Very good hint. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, I think the next thing on our list is countertop different heights of countertops. Mm-hmm. And Jen, mm-hmm. why don't you explain what they're good for? Yeah. So when, um, and Nancy, you you know this as well as a professional kitchen designer, that um, there is a measurement that you can take on your, on your client, which is typically you will just measure from the floor to their bent elbow. And um, often about three or four inches below that measurement is the perfect countertop height for that particular person. Well, the 36-inch high countertop that we all use to this day was developed in the 1940s for a woman that was five foot four inches high, an able-bodied woman that was uh, five foot four inches high. That's not the population uh, that uses a kitchen, you know, these days. And Looking at having multiple countertop heights, and you know, I'm going to probably pick on Nancy a little bit because we were sharing earlier on the difference in our heights, and there's there's uh, you know mm-hmm. there's quite a difference even in between uh, your height, Nancy, and mine. That that 36 inch high counter is not the ideal countertop height for either of us. I need one. Well, a little I've, bit. I've yeah. alluded to my. I've alluded to my petiteness uh, <laughs> during a lot of my podcasts so people can understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And at four foot nine and a half, it is not easy for me to work at a 36 inch high countertop. No. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, um, the dishwasher has to go into a countertop run that's that high. But when you have a prep area that you're working at all the time and you're my petite size, I need something lower so that my elbows are bent properly and my shoulders aren't hurting by the time I finish prepping. Right, Jan? Absolutely. And, you know, for myself, now I'm not that tall, but I'm taller than average. I'm five foot seven. And I find that just a little bit higher is something that works, you know, better for me. Now, when I, and I have many, many clients that are well over six feet, I just completed a kitchen for, um, 
for clients, you know, recently retired. They were both uh, um, six foot or higher, taller. She was six foot. He was about six four. And um, absolutely for their home and for universal design, they wanted a taller prep area. So how we tackled that and a great place to tackle the different countertop height was at the island. We raised their island up mm-hmm. by three inches so that uh, they had a 39-inch high countertop for prepping. And we did keep the, the perimeter or L-shaped countertops at the standard 36. But it, like a design, a, a really good kitchen designer can can help you incorporate these different heights. And I've seen some absolutely stunning kitchens that you know have maybe a lower butcher block that's great for kneading bread and rolling things out. Because you know I now would want at my height I would want that lower area. And often you'll see people move to the kitchen table to roll out uh, pastry or roll out or knead bread because it's, it's more ergonomic. And, um, well, Jan, you just mentioned the height of my Island. So my Island, as I was saying before is 30 inches high. So if anybody out there is redoing their kitchen and you're petite, don't be embarrassed to say, I want an island that's table height. And that's what my island is, 30 inches off the floor. I'm very comfortable working with it and everything from folding clothes to um, prepping food. So it's a great height for me, maybe not for anybody else, but mm-hmm. hey, I'm the only one cooking in the house. And one thing I wanted to tell you, I I did um, remodel my kitchen to accommodate some of my problems. But on the perimeter of my kitchen, I left it at 36. So when I'm using a very tall pot in the holiday season to make a large pot of pasta sauce, I have a stool that I have to stand on so that I can look inside the pot. Now, don't laugh, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that as we get more comfortable with, um, with universal design as, as just the standard for design, people, people will start to see that by putting in the different, the different countertop heights, that it's not odd. I, you know, I do it in my kitchen designs all the time. And I've learned how to maybe change the material to to make it more of a focal point, and you know, just just really mixing mixing things up and 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 giving a extremely functional space. I think that that you know that really is the key. And um, you know, the more function you have in the kitchen, more people are going to be able to come in and help you and uh, be able to uh, work in the kitchen, and that's going to you know be great for for a lot of people to get that help. Well, a good kitchen makes a happy cook. Yes, right? absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, nothing. I was going to say. Uh, you know, lighting is so important in a kitchen. We talked about this before, and I have to bring up LED lights. That is so important in a kitchen and throughout your house. And with technology, once you use an LED light, you'll probably never go back to the other incandescent or fluorescent, which I don't think they make anymore. LED lights. 
uh, show true color, but also you don't have to change the bulb for some of them 25 years. I like that part because wow. um, it's very hard for me to change light bulbs. I can't reach them, so I have to get on the ladder. So, But migrating your light fixtures and your bulbs to LED is a necessity. And I would say if you have any problem with that or if you have any questions, you should get online uh, and go to shop. Premier.com. Premier Lighting is located in Scottsdale, but they have a great website. You can buy off their website and they will ship all over the world. So they also have consultants, lighting consultants that are sitting there waiting for you to call them and asking them some questions so they could help you. If you have any questions about LED lights, and we're going to talk about that as we get older, the lights that we need, then go on to shoppremier.com. That's shoppremier, all one word, dot com. So, Jan, I wanted to get that in before we talked about lighting. That's so important in the universal kitchen. Do you know, and, um, and when I think about lighting for kitchen design, it is one of the number one uh, things that we need to be looking at with any, any kitchen design. And when I think about a universally designed kitchen, Having flexible and layered lighting is is really the key. And you know what I mean by that is having you know having everything on on dimmers, having extraordinary task lighting. You really want to be lighting up those countertops and and those workspaces. Uh, you also want to be able to have lighting that um, it's it's kind of an accent lighting. But there's um, a type of lighting that I'm putting in all my kitchens right now is I've, I'm putting lighting under the upper cabinets in the kick or plinth space and if it is an, if it's open and doesn't go right up to the ceiling up on the top of the cabinetry and why i suggest this is probably 95% of the the kitchens that that we're designing these days are in open concepts or in great rooms and i just love to be able to have just that slight glow of light in the background when um it's the end of the evening and people have maybe retired to the living room area of the great room that you don't have that black hole back there and you can yeah. you can you can you can get in and you know maybe grab a snack without lighting up you know the the whole kitchen if it's lit by only um, one source. So I, I love, right. you know, love layering lighting. And, um, you know, we've talked about this before, Nancy, as we get older, our eyesight starts to uh, deteriorate and we do need brighter and brighter light every, you know, every decade we get older. It, it, um, yeah. I was shocked to learn that our cornea as we get older turns yellow. And mm-hmm. that means that as you get older, everything looks yellow. So what you want to do is stay away from yellow light, that real warm light. And that's why LEDs are good. They come in different Kelvins. You can talk to your lighting person about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And you can get 3500 Kelvin, which is a soft but brighter white. You can go brighter from there softer down maybe 2000 Kelvin, but I would stay with 3,500 and put it on a dimmer. And also when you're doing your different layering, like uh, Jan said, you might want to put these on different circuits so that Mm -hmm. when you turn the light on, it doesn't look like Las Vegas. You've got maybe uh, the under cabinet lighting going on with one switch and your general lighting going on with another switch and maybe the lights above the cabinets so that you can control what goes on. And also 
when you're looking at your kitchen, don't skimp on the lighting because any dark spot will cause a problem as you get older because we're not seeing everything clearly and they're looking down and if there's a dark spot, they could trip over something. So definitely put um, a lot of light, more so than what you would usually put into a kitchen because there's never too many lights, right, Jan? Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I've ended up aligning myself and are almost partnering with a lighting designer because it is, it is ever changing. And I go to him now on all of my designs and just have a conversation. Um, you know, I, you know, I really, I've got a really mm-hmm. I've been doing this for many, many years, but you know, as you said, with with LED lights now, how you know where are we going to place them, and you know how many are the, are we going to are we going to put in? And I love going. He's got a lighting lab, which you know is nice if you can visit a, a lighting area that has a lighting lab. You can start seeing those differences of what Bansy talked about about the cooler and the warmer, and and how you know how that how you your eyes will um, react to that different type of lighting. And, you know, and, and I think also too, looking yeah. at, um, you know, when I think about uh, under counter lighting, you know, throughout um, you know, the, the years that, you know, back in the eighties, we're putting these massive fluorescent bulbs under the upper cabinets and uh, in these big, big valleys. Oh, they used to have the halogen. Remember yeah. those halogen mm-hmm. puck lights? Yeah, and mm-hmm. that heat up. That would heat and up. I and I used to burn. tell people, don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, I would also say, don't put chocolate in your cabinet on the bottom shelf because no. it'll melt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, yeah. and but now it, the LEDs don't give any heat, so don't worry about that. Yeah, and the, and you've got so much um, flexibility. Like I'm loving the mm-hmm. ribbon light li- ribbon lighting that's available. I just did a mm-hmm. um, I just did a kitchen where um, you know I have a client that has um, some you know is- issues with eyesight, mostly peripheral vision, and it's deteriorating, unfortunately. And we put uh, light strips, the ribbon light strips inside all of the upper cabinetry so that when she opened the door mm-hmm. of every upper cabinet, there was a motion light that came on. The, the light was hidden behind the, um, the the door area so it wasn't glaring. But it, it, yeah, behind the frame. And it just um, illuminated the uh, the entire cabinet. And um, making yeah. a world of difference for her enjoyment of the space, because now she could see yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. We've got a couple of more things, too. I know you have to get going, but we have mm-hmm. to cover two more things that I think are really important. And one of them is a color scheme as you get older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, um, yeah, so, so I, I think that um, when we're looking at, at our color schemes, and, and it's interesting, I, I was fortunate enough um, to go to the last um, uh, Euro Cucina show in uh, Milan, Italy in 2018, which is the biggest kitchen design show in the world, and it's every two years, and of course... It wasn't this year, but um, two years ago, it was really interesting. All of the the Italian kitchens were dark and gray. The the best way to describe it was moody. And I remember walking through the the, um, display halls, having to put my, my smartphone flashlight on to be able to get around these kitchens and i just went oh my goodness you know how this this is you know probably yeah. looks cool really really cool looks great but 
just so impractical because really um, a lighter kitchen is a much more pleasant kitchen to work in. You don't get the eye strain. Like, you know, just being in the displays or going to some of the showrooms, I was getting eye strain because I couldn't focus and see because everything was so dark. So, you know, my mm-hmm. my number fifth um, recommendation for universal design is to work with lighter color schemes, but with some contrast. Um, you know, we don't want oh, sure. that. Yeah, we don't want an all white glossy kitchen where floor, counters, backsplash, cabinetry, everything is is glossy white. Yeah. That can be just as fatiguing as uh, a, an all black kitchen. As we get older, as we get older, we lose our depth perception. So mm-hmm. a lot of times, we have to pick a different color countertop and floor. If they were all Mm -hmm. white, when the person looks down at the countertop, they're not realizing that the floor is three feet below the countertop. They're losing that depth perception. So you have to take that into consideration. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And also having a different color um, edge on the countertop will help them realize where the edge of the countertop is. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times trends are not as functional as people (laughs) think. So Mm -hmm. you might want to go trendy, but you have to really think function, especially as you're doing a universal kitchen. Absolutely. And our last thing, which I think is important, is accessible storage. Jan? Yes. So, you know, yeah. And I think too, that, um, I would doubt that I would ever go into one of your kitchens that you had designed, Nancy, that didn't have every base cabinet as some type of pullout or drawer, um, or accessorizing. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the same with my designs. And that is really, if there is one thing that every kitchen should have and will you know help with universal design it's accessible storage particularly in the base cabinetry that um you know a, a, a cabinet that's got you know a full height door and a shelf in it that's um, down under the counter really really it's not a storage unit it's um you know it's it's a place where things you know go and you never retrieve them again so including yeah and if you have a bent back you won't be able to bend down and get anything Exactly. And, and that's, and then it's the same too with, um, you know, building corners and in the, in the trade, we call them blind corners where the, you know, the back corner Mm -hmm. is, is, um, is, is not accessible unless you have some type of accessory and there's beautiful accessories available now to make that storage functional. And my, you know, I was, I've always been known as a really strong functional designer. It's probably because actually my background, my degree is I'm a home economist and, and a lot of our training, you know, was on ergonomics and functionality. And, um, I constantly am am researching, you know, all these great accessories that are available to make your cabinetry more functional and, um, you know, base cabinets Mm -hmm. one, but I think one of the best, Jan, I was going to say one of the best things that we could do for people who have bad backs or just being efficient is to put a lot of drawers in and the Mm -hmm. wide deep drawers are great because it takes one function. You pull out the drawer, you get your pots and pans, your dishes, your glasses, whatever you're going to store in there. Um, My favorite kitchen would be to do away with all wall cabinets since we brought up my height. Mm -hmm. I can't reach them. So Mm -hmm. to me, they're there just uh, for other people. Right. But But you have to think 
when you're designing a kitchen, you got to think of the person using it. What do they need to make that a functional kitchen? Yeah, it's something, that, and I've had um, where I live in, um, where I lived in Vancouver, there, there was a, um, a strong um, population of, of um, Italian cooks that I loved working on their kitchens because, you know, these were cooks and they, and they had all the gadgets and all the materials. And, um, you know, often maybe, you know, just for whatever reason, a lot of these women were small and, um, you know, we couldn't, you know, taking cabinet tree up to the ceiling just didn't didn't make sense so a little trick that I did all the time was to find a wall where I would install you know like six to eight feet of 12 inch deep pantry storage and it really was a wonderful way to um, access all of um, all of the items that they needed and they could be stored at there's a there's a measurement it's called the universal reach which is about um, 18 to 24 inches off the floor up to kind of a maximum 54 inches and that zone so kind of between 24 inches and 54 inches is the ideal uh, storage area so these shallow pantries Mm. so that you could open the doors and see everything were ideal for that yeah well you mentioned for some reason why these women were small it's one simple reason it's the italian gene that's why i'm so tiny Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Anyway, hey, I want to thank you for uh, doing this podcast with me. I think we filled up every single minute with hints and um, ideas that people can put towards their new remodel kitchen or if they're planning on something. Um, don't do it for today. Do it for tomorrow. In other words, you're you're going to everybody's going to age, you know just get over the fact that uh, we're all going to get old and we all should have functional kitchens that we don't have to fight with and be uncomfortable working in. Agreed? I very much agree. Very well said, right. Nancy. And, um, yeah. you know, thank you so much for having me on. Hopefully we can have another chat at, at some point. I, I really enjoyed our talk. We will be. Matter of fact, you're probably going to be my resident uh, kitchen designer. <laughs> so uh, thank you again, Jan. And I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. Be sure to subscribe. You can rate and you can comment on any platform that you're using to listen to these podcasts. And don't forget to share them with your friends. Don't keep all of our ideas a secret. We do this to educate people and so that you can share them with everybody and also they're useful for you if you're in the situation to remodel your kitchen or any other room in your house. So if you want to learn more about me, go to nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions for me or for Jan, don't hesitate to email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. Stay safe and have a great day. 